if you're a survivor of any, you know, trauma, loss, grief, any of those things, if you feel elements of stress, you, you must get out. You must, it's beyond therapy. You must get out and spend a lot of time in nature because nature heals you. The trees heal you, animals heal you, you know, fresh water, ocean, whatever it is, is that's the key. Not the silver bullet, but it is the key. It's the door opener to your healing and, and um, you know, a pathway to peace, which is a good quality of life. That was Clive Bircham, and you're listening to The Regenerative Journey. From wherever we are, we acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia, recognising their continuing connection to this land, its waterways, the stars in the skies since time immemorial. We pay our respects to the elders, knowledge holders and to all the generations of First Nations peoples who have nurtured their unceded sovereign lands for over 80,000 years and continue to do so today. G'day, I'm your host Charlie Arnott, an 8th generational Australian regenerative farmer and in this podcast series I'll be diving deep and exploring my guests' unique perspectives on the world so you can apply their experience and knowledge to cultivate your own transition to a more regenerative way of life. Welcome to The Regenerative Journey with your host Charlie Arnott. G'day, welcome back to The Regenerative Journey, and you're probably wondering why it's a bit echoey. Well, I'm back in my old office at the farm at Byron Bay. Uh, thankfully, Andy and the team here have given me, and Blair, Blair Beatty from Farmer's Footprint, who's now occupying my old office space, and i tell you what, it's, it's much prettier now than it was when I was here. Um, so that's why it's a bit echo, and also, because <laughs> it's knock-off time, uh, there are a number of staff members of the Three Blue Ducks who are um, having a chat and a beer out the back. So that's probably why uh, <laughs> you might get a little bit distracted, as I apparently or well, clearly am right now. Um, before I bang on about Clive Bircham, a good buddy of mine who is the next guest, this guest on this episode of the uh, Regenerative Journey, just want to remind you that we are running a webinar series 16th of August, Eight weeks, seven weeks worth of uh, wonderful experts talking about all sorts of cool things. You'll you'll hear the ad somewhere during this this break, and please don't step up, step over it if you can do the if you can avoid doing the plus thirty seconds thing. It only goes for about a minute, but um, we are very keen for you to listen to that and get along to that wonderful uh, webinar series, um, culminating in a farm tour on the thirteenth of October. And you know we haven't had farm tour there for many years, so we're keen to open the doors again and. and um, and just uh, just move shift fifty of those tickets uh, is all you want, just to keep it nice and nice and um, nice and tight. Um, biodynamic workshops are all happening. Just check on our website charlie.com.au for all of that caper. Um, there's a few there you can choose from. There's also vouchers you can get as well. Um, if you know someone who's kind of was sniffing around, thinking they might like to do a course, you can just get them a voucher as a little gift birthday gift, um, early Christmas gift, and um, they can apply that to any workshop that they care to. Um, before I forget, I was just read this great quote. It's not sort of monumentally significant. I don't have a lot to say about it. I guess it's all, it all speaks for itself. It'd be, oh, I can never remember his age. One of the Stoics. 
Epictetus. Epictetus, that's the man, who was a great um, influence on Marcus Aurelius, who was one of the emperors of Rome many in about 100 and something AD. Anyway, this is from Epictetus. There's only one way to, to happiness, and that is to ease worrying about things which are beyond the power of our will. I know that's pretty obvious, but I just love listening, <coughs> reading those things every now and again. I punch them out on Instagram quite often because I think it's that repetition of reading such quotes that is a really good daily reminder. So there you go, Steve Shit. Just thought I'd <laughs> throw that one in here. Farmer's Footprint, lovely bunch. Blair, thank you for the office, doing some amazing things. I'm hoping Zach Bush is going to be here later in the year. I don't know. I haven't caught up with Blair for a while, but I'm hoping that he might be sniffing around this part of the world, um, which will be about 12 months after he, he was here last December. It's um, really keen to find out what he is up to. And just a bit of farm news, which has been really interesting for me. Um, I bought some Merino ewes the other day, about 550 Merino ewes. Most of them were very, very pregnant. From Nigel Kieran, who's an old buddy of mine, we started our, dare I say, regenerative journey together in, gee whiz, 2004. We did did Grazing for Profit together, RCS course, Grazing for Profit in Cowra. And we we revolved in similar circles since then, Um, some very close circles and some not so close as in I just didn't see him for years at a time. Um, But very excited, I have to say, to have some Karen Pole um, Merino ewes running around the paddocks in Hannah Minnow. Going to be dropping lambs in a few, you know, a few weeks' time, about six weeks' time, and just excited to have merinos back. Get some decent wool. Might try and value add that. Beautiful um, ewes they are. And Nigel Kieran, what a what a um, what a clever guy. He's really done some amazing things. Um, amazing businessman. <clears throat> really good at applying good business principles to agriculture. Um, and anyway, I just thought I'm just pretty excited about whole that whole thing right now. Just to let you know, I've just been doing some budgeting stuff and talking to Nigel about that today. So that is on my mind. Enough of me and the rabbiting on. Let's get to Clive Bircham. <clears throat> I'm not sure how much I mentioned about Clive in the outro for Kim Deans, but I met Clive through Angelica, my wife, and Clive had um, was instrumental in Angelica going to Landmark Landmark Forum, which is where I met Angelica. I went because I'd been been suggested by a few people. He he went. No, he'd already been. That's right. And he, he, he suggested to Angelica. Anyway, I met her there. A lot to thank Clive for. Um, we've been in touch, you know, ever since, um, very closely, and really honoured that I was able to sit down with Clive, who has had an amazing life. I have to say, I tell you what, talk about swings and roundabouts and ups and downs and ins and outs. Very talented guy. Very articulate as well. Just. You know, through his one thing that really stood out for me in our interview, and, and as a friend of Clive's, is that you know, he's very willing to share his trials and tribulations and and his you know successes and 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 failures. It's probably not the right word, but his challenges for the betterment of others. And you know, just anyway, this 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 interview is an example of Clive giving and being so open and honest and transparent about his life, about his challenges, about his childhood, about business, about his life, about lifestyle, about, you know, just, you know, going off the rails, getting back on the rails and sharing that in such a lovely way. Um, <laughs> bang on out there. But enough of that in case they start yelling outside there on, on while well, they're having their staffies. Um, really excited to be releasing 
this episode. I hope you enjoy listening to this um, wonderful conversation I had with a good mate of mine, Clive Bircham, on the regenerative journey. Clive Bircham, hello. How are you going? Mate, so good. So good to be here in your – well, it used to be your place of um, work, didn't it? Yes, and you're still, it was. you're still the principal – or not the principal, you're still the, the landholder. Yeah, I'm a frightening landlord. I'm not really landlord. I'm a beautiful landlord apparently. Well, like, that's – But it was – this This is the um, a place where much was created. We created incredible relationships. A lot of different businesses were created here. Um, including Global Citizen, was founded here and has gone on to um, generate $43 billion in pledges to end extreme poverty. So this is a great place to be talking about regenerative and generation. A regenerized Clive. Yeah. Well, mate, welcome to The Regenerative Journey and welcome to um, 64? 63. 63 Buckingham Place. Street. Street. Buckingham Street. 63 Buckingham, Great Buckingham Palace. 63 Great Buckingham Street. Red fun. <laughs> For those who want to break in and steal stuff one yeah, day. Yeah, the taste of a new generation. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're here. Mate, thanks for your time. Um, <clears throat> we have been we've been chatting about this. We've been buddies for many years now. Um, yes. Thank you to my beautiful wife, Angelica, for introducing us many years ago. Uh, and... We finally got to catch up um, without, I don't know, without, without kids. Not that that's a, a good thing or bad thing. Um, you and I having the chat that we've been thinking about for some time. Yes. There's lots to chat about. And I'm really appreciative of the fact that you have given me your time because it's, really, it's an amazing story. And I know, I reckon I probably know the tip of the iceberg. I know you pretty well, but I'm sure there's a lot that we can, um, we can un- not un- it's not about unpacking things really. It's not like, oh, we've really got to drill on that and you've got to get to the bottom of it. It's like, no, just tell us what you think. Um, so, Clivey, tell us about, I mean, we're looking at, as I, as I you know, am, am known to do with my guests, we sit in a happy place. Mm. We're looking out a window. We like to have some greenery, some nature. We are looking through um, a window to some little paperbark trees out there, which is lovely. Um, is this is this your happy place, or was it your happy place? What does it so, sort of represent to you? It's nice okay. to sort of set the scene. Okay, cool. So um, I spent ten years in this building, building businesses and and helping other people build their businesses. So I think that this is, uh, you know, it is a a place, as I said before, of great regeneration and rejuvenation. Um, And we've created a lot of sensations for for people here. Um, A lot of success has been trials and tribulations, a lot of heartache. So I think that this represents, you know, my past actually. And it's nice to visit and we'll probably talk quite a lot about my past, which Mm. is, you know, Interesting. So, so it, it is, um, you know, a beautiful twist of uh, fate and irony that we're sitting here. So it does mean a lot to me. A lot, a lot happened while I was occupying this building. Um, <clears throat> we'd like to have been uh, just. It was, it was convenient to be here. I'm in town. You're in town. So it's worked out a treat. Um, we'll get to farming. Great. We'll, we'll get to the the full circle. The full. I was going to say the full circle from farming um, life in WA around back to farming life 
New South Wales. New, New South Wales, north of north of Sydney. Let's go back there, mate. Let's go back to we want to we want to. I do, I do. I'm sure my listeners do as well. Um, understand your your journey, and there are moments. Well, not moments. There's actually big swags of regeneration. I know there's some, dare I say, moments of um, deterioration. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> that is a well documented deterioration and degradation, which we've and all got. We've all got, mate. Mm. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not <laughs> saying you're. Yeah. You're no Robinson Crusoe. I just there. seem to specialise in that, <laughs> which hopefully your listeners will enjoy. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure you'll put the spin on it. That's um. That's appropriate. So yeah. let's go back to WA. Sure. The Thank year. You. The year. Can we? Can we? Can we go back okay. to the year? Was well um, that you appeared. I'll, I'll I'll start just a little bit before that. My grandfather um, mm. at fourteen left home with a horse and a gun um, and started his first business. And by eighteen, he he um, bought his first farm. And and by the time he passed, he had acquired twelve farms, interconnected dairy farms. Um, and he was one of the largest supplier of suppliers of milk by horse and cart, and then by truck, um, and then via his own dairies to. Um, what was then Nestle in Western Australia. And, and as a twist of irony, you know, 30 years later, I was the largest supplier of digital services to Nestle Australia. So there was a beautiful connection there between my grandfather and I. But in any case, he was a, a very, um, you know, I guess a strong entrepreneurial farmer. Um, and I had the benefit of growing up, um, spending most of my life on the farm, on tractors, in the dairy, helping him out with cattle in the in the yards. and. I didn't realise that that would play a, a big role in my life in later in my life, but obviously, um, it, it like like most people from the country, um, I think it it creates a better human being than not. And I'm not being pretentious to to anybody that doesn't grow up in in the country, but I do think that you know being around life and death and nature and you know peace and trees and and creation is beautiful for anyone's soul. So I think it was a good balance. Um, I was born in 1970. My father passed when I was eight. That set forth a, a, a cascade or a domino of catastrophic events, um, including you know wide-ranging sexual abuse and physical abuse, and you know rape and molestation and all that kind of crazy stuff, um, which had me you know catapult out of the farming life because um, it did involve a family member. Um, and I had a successful career in media, um, and then 35 years later, um, I'm back in the country, back in the yards, raising cows again. <laughs> Boom, half story. That's it, Clive. Thank you for that. That's um, <laughs> that's going to be one of our shorter, shorter uh, yeah. episodes. <clears throat> Mate, just back to um, so, were you living on? You spent a lot of time on your grandfather's farm. Did you spend? Were you on on farm in that in that? That period of time as yeah, well, yeah. I would say Live, um, actually living, you know. Yeah, well, we had a place in town, so we were part towny, part farmers. But where, where, when you say town, where, where, what part of well, it's Harvey, Western Australia? So, um, which is one of the largest um, dairy farming shires in Western Australia. So, um, and then the farms are in a place called Cooking Up. Everything has an up oh. over there, as you know. Do we know why that is? Uh, no idea. Is it in, it's indigenously up, up thing. Probably, must, must yeah. Be. I mean, pardon me for not knowing that, but yeah. No, so right. cooking up was you know a ten minute drive from from school. We'd catch the school bus home. I'd hose the dairy down in the you know in the that was one of my jobs hosing the dairy down, and then my you know mum would pick us up in the or pick me up in the afternoon, or I'd ride my motorbike home or bike or whatever it was. But um, 
yeah, it was part, you know, hardcore farming and then part townie. Um, but my passion was, you know, whether it was being on a tractor or hanging out with my granddad or, you know, being in the dairy, like I, it was just a beautiful way to grow up. And even now, you know, as I ride my bike through where we live now and I go past the dairy, you know, the smell of cow manure is a sweet <laughs> one for me. I love it. I well, do. You- like that, those, all those things that, you know, you I left behind when I was 15, um, they're coming back to me, you know, stronger than ever. And there's there's healing properties in the smell of manure, for me at least. <laughs> I'm just scribbling down a few little quotes there. Yeah. So that might be one of them. Um, <clears throat> so back to farm life. Yeah. Um, uh, happy, you know, happy um, in the in the first, you know, up to I guess eight. Were you you were you reasonably independent? You know, as a as a young young lad, you know, riding bikes, having responsibilities on farm. I think, I mean, post that, I was, I was, you know, incredibly independent, probably too independent for a you know eight nine year old. Mm. Um, but uh, and that was life life where we were is just that you know it's the the meme that circulates now that you know you knew you knew where everyone was built by the you know where the bikes were parked out the front the bicycles. Um, and so we just had a tribe of young young lads and we're always on our bicycles, you know, roaming the hills and, you know, just bikes were freedom. So that was amazing. But and on the farm, um, you know, I think it was, there was parts of it that were, were lonely for, for me, but also parts of it were amazing because I was able to be a contribution, you know, whether it was, you know, raking the hay before my uncle came along and bailed it or, you know, rotary hoeing or harrowing or whatever the the job I had I loved being a contribution and I think that 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 was a a beautiful thing um you know and and being around animals and um you know I think starting something like driving the tractor through a gate where there is work to be done and then leaving that gate later on there's a sense of completion it's it's a little bit like you know uh, I used to think of it as art because the the, the circles that you create you know, from a pattern on a tractor or if you're starting in the middle, that is, and going around the outside um, or up and down. Like it's actually beautiful when you see it from an aerial perspective. And I think that that sense of order and completion played a large role in the the rest of my life, which was a very, you know, creative endeavour. So, yeah. What about the the aspects of nature as in, I don't know, space, Yep. Plants, animals, yep. um, you know, where does where did it fit in? Where has it fit in since? You just mentioned oh. the smell of cow shit. That's a that's a <laughs> yeah. signature well, smell. Well, you do I smell. Just, you got a bit of Tom Ford on this morning. That was that's yeah. far from <laughs> Tom, Tom Ford meets manure. So <clears throat> I think. Um, well, let's. Well, we we all know that um, manure from animals is um, one that helps plants grow, right? So let's just be clear on that. That it, that maybe crosses over to human smells. Um, I think the way that we were raised, and I can reflect on this now, um, that a- animals performed a function, um, uh, and that was dogs and and cattle, um, and they were they were a function of um, the way in which we lived and, and earned a living. So, so I think that that was kind of distinct to now, because obviously, you know, that's not necessarily the thinking of the modern world. Um, and space, I don't think that you realise the importance of space and nature 
when you're actually in it until you don't have it anymore. And I actually have a philosophy on this, Charlie, about modern life is is that um, we've metropolized in the last century, Um, metropolized as in we've moved from the country predominantly into cities and there's been apartment blocks built. That, that's a very, very unnatural thing. And then so we're in the cities where we're living in apartments or houses with small backyards. It's very, very expensive. You get a mortgage, you know, you live the dream. You're stressed out earning the money to pay for that mortgage and you go, okay, I'll get a weekender or I'll get a farmlet or something like that so I can go away and just have a reprieve from this stress that I'm feeling paying for these things that I believe that I need to have. Um so then we've jacked up our mortgage by having the weekender to create the breath um, from the money that we're earning to pay for the mortgage. So, so I think that that's kind of, I believe we've got an ass about. And in actual fact that peace and nature, um, be that with you know, animals or taking a bushwalk, which we all love to do, um, it should be the norm versus the, 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 sun, the Saturday and the Sunday. And hopefully people you know, continue on the, the post-COVID lockdown meltdown and do more zoom calls and and look after themselves in nature because you know it our nervous system as i understand it from the research that i do and the things that i read about is calmed by trees walking water be that ocean or otherwise and and it should be the norm it shouldn't be something that we have to pay extra for or or necessarily travel a long way to <coughs> Excuse me. Oh, I'm going to the croaks. <coughs> I had a coffee before. I think I've got a bit of okay. dairy stuff going on. Oh. It might be Tom Ford. Mm. Um, no, I'm sure it's not. The um, the notion of um, I forgot where I was going to go with that. Now that was we're, we're, we're talking about um, does does peace does, does oh it's I remember the, the notion of I love it. Ask about. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's easy to be a farmer and say, because the other thing for me is like, oh, I'm on a farm. I want to get a place in the city that I can go to and kind of get away from the farm sort of stuff. You know, that, that's kind of maybe the What's balance, right? The 180. Yeah, well, it is. It, 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 whichever sort of side of that equation you're on, it's all it's about balance. But it, it, you're right. It's interesting that we want the reprieve, we want the break, we want the we want the, the hamlet, the farm, the whatever it is. And, and, and it's not about being naive. I don't think it's because these things that you discover them is that farms are, can be a bit of work, you know, like even three or four or five acres, you know, they need mowing, they need repair, they need maintenance, they need those things. Okay, so I'm having a discussion with my partner at the moment about, you know, size of farms. And I think what you've got to do there is, is work out, do you want a bigger lawn to mow or do you want peace and a farm? And I think that there's a dis- distinction between five acres one fifty acres and one thousand five hundred, and and whether you can generate an income, and there's all the machinations also that you know anything above one hundred and fifty acres means that you need a thirty five percent deposit, and then that puts some things out of reach. Um, so I think that that's where the noose of 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 debt and mortgages I think is got to be carefully considered. But the work um, is good work though, and I think um, you know like I've gone from the flashy heights of you know my business career to now. You know, waking up and you know in gum boots and feeding the calves and doing all that manual stuff. And sometimes I think, do I really want to be doing this? But I, but I also feel that you know, like when I was a kid, I used to have to feed the calves at the dairy. I'm feeding calves again now at 52, and it's nurturing. I think anything that we can do in this life that nurtures ourselves, and you really only nurture yourself by nurturing others at the same time, or or 
Probably that's a little bit untrue. I think that you do have to nurture yourself first in order to be able to nurture others. But in nurturing others is actually when we grow most. So I think that some of that manual stuff, um, you know, get over it. Oh, totally. I think, but but I <laughs> not, guess not, not you. No, 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 no. But no, but, but I, I think there's there's this sort of there is that romance of, of farming, and there is, and that's and that's a whole other conversation around. That's actually like the people who think farming is romantic are the people not farming, you know, because they have the have the yeah. idea of cows and hills and sunsets and it's all lovely, which we all have as farmers, and we are there. This is the thing; it's there every day, and and it's certainly something we have in our sort of in our vision and our values is that we you know we we seek the romance in in landscape, you know, because and, and it's and it's about like having you know not an affair because that conjures up all sorts of things, but just having a playful relationship and one of Appreciation and compassion, and and there is romance. There is like the sort of the dance of the that relationship um, that you can have with with a landscape, and I think that's what's really missing in a lot of landscapes. Understandably, it's a it's a place of business mm. and family, and that can be a big ask for, for for people to sort of step back into that. So I guess for for people looking to buy you know, farms and things, if they can retain that sense of romance, get the work done, you know. And be realistic about what's required. I guess you know that's mm. a that's a thing. And I mean, there's probably a business opportunity somewhere there to sort of enrol people into the idea of like like it's not all beer and skittles. Yeah, it's a lovely, lovely thing to do. Mm. And at the moment, not a bad investment either. Yeah. So so I think um, as I'm you know approaching um, the the farm that we're we're uh, moving into, um, it's big and there's a lot of work and I've felt moments of overwhelm, like going, how the hell am I going to do this? But th- that overwhelm is usually an invitation for you to reach out and find, find the, the who in your life that can help you do the how, which is a, is a, you know, a subject of a book that I'm reading at the moment called Who Not How. So when it, whenever you, you know, feel that sense of procrastination or overwhelm, it's just an invitation of like, you know what, who can help me? And miraculously, or not so miraculously, just the nature of people in the country is people are helpful. People are kind. Like it's crazy how people are helpful and kind because their stakes aren't as high. And what I mean by their stakes aren't as high is is that their life is enriched and rewarding, generally speaking. Their mortgages probably aren't as, you know, killing, probably. I don't know whether this is a fact. Versus in the city, I think that, we're under so much pressure to get to the next meeting to, you know, look good, feel good, have good, you know, buy this, buy that. Like there's so much pressure and I think that, um, you know, capitalism is is in some ways, you know, fantastic, but also keeping up with the Joneses is unfair. And I think that that does go on a lot uh, in the city in that you're exposed to a lot of what I would call propaganda through marketing and communication and advertising that you need that next thing, buy that next thing, have that car, et cetera. That, I think, creates stress. It creates comparison. Um, and it kind of kindness goes out the window. Whereas I think in, in the country when you're taking on a big project, it's kind of easy. It's the same as in the city, actually. When you have good neighbours, life's much easier. Finding that environment where you have good neighbours is, is universal. I guess at least in the country you've got a buffer, haven't you? You literally got space in the city, like you. And you, you, you're living in a, you know, you know, in um, 
Surrey, Surrey Hills. We just yeah, we're, we're, sort of we're, we're in a, in a in a city. In a city. So I spend part of my time in a city and part of my time, you know, in wide open spaces. Um, and you know, I'm I'm very very lucky. We're very lucky. Like my you know my partner and her kids and my kids. Um, I have a very good life, and um, I see the importance of of both of them. Um, as a balance, which I think is what we're talking about, which is, um, you know, like how do how does every human being go on their own regenerative journey, um, so that they find peace? Like it's not about um, what I've come to conclude is that it's about how do I lead a rewarding quality of life, and and what's a rewarding quality of life is not necessarily, you know waking up and going to the gym each morning before I smash it in the office, um, it could be um, something completely different. And I think, you know, dare I sound bombastic, but the great thing about the, the journey that I've been on, you know, surrounded by great people is, is that I think I had it all materially and people would have looked on the outside and gone, wow, look at that guy, he's amazing. And people do say that. but um, in actual fact, I had nothing. It was a big empty kind of space. You know, it's one thing to have a McMansion. It's another thing to have good vibes in that McMansion. So I think that um, just having the ability and what I encourage people to do is is just look outside and beyond what is now because um, there is, there's a wonderful life that you can recreate and, and that's what I was lucky enough um to be able to do that with with my family because we were living in the city. We had all the trappings, you know, fast cars, expensive houses, all that type of stuff, um, private schools, private school fees, private school parents, private school kids. <laughs> Sorry, being a bit cynical. But, but um, you <laughs> know, that can, that can, yeah, that can be good and, and that can be challenging as well. And then I, we were able to as I say, paint my kids' canvas with different colours. We painted it, the canvas, the colours in the city, and now we're painting mm. it with a different canvas, and I hope there's more canvases because, again, going back to that thing of balance, like how do we balance our lives in an imbalanced world? We're, we're, we're driven by so many different factors. In one part, we're being told to achieve and overachieve and upgrade and buy this and buy that. In another part, our soul and our physical selves is saying, slow down, find me peace. Can I walk that river? Can I walk in that forest? Can I swim in that ocean without the massive rent? Can I swim in that ocean? Um, yeah, like how do, we, how do we find peace in the balance of all the crazy stuff that's going on? Well, it, I guess it's a question of value. Like, what do people value? And, and, and maybe it's, a, it, it's that people don't value the the – the, the benefit to them and family and community of investing in that walk along the river, you know, or that, that, op, that opportunity or that bit of, you know, that sitting under a tree and meditating as opposed to yeah. what is it, expectation they value, well, you know, values are put upon them to achieve, overachieve, you know, yeah. grow, growth, all of that sort of stuff. You know? Well, as I said previously, I think one of the most powerful things that we're, we're faced with is um, comparison. You know, like social, excuse me, social media, you know, people in the car park, people next to you at traffic lights, whatever. There's, there's something in us that does draw a comparison. And I try guide my family not to do that because 
comparison is the thief of joy. So, so I think that's one of the the drivers. I think that um, then you get caught up in you know being a part of that you know sporting club or that fashion circle, that community, whatever it could be. Oh, are you kidding? Oh, phone storage full. What a do you want to use my phone? Uh, can we do that, mate? Yeah. <sighs> Sorry, people listening. What a pain in the Should butt. We pause? No, no, we just go on, mate. We just we just keep it going. Oh, hang on. See, it's not let me. I was thinking of this this morning. Going, I wonder if it's got room on there. I need to. We just do that. Thanks, mate. That end. Uh, switcheroony. Hang on. Um, oh no, sorry. you're on. Do that. Oh yeah. Oh. Look at that seamless. Switching to camera two now. <laughs> <laughs> I better do with that. I've got another interview this afternoon. I will need to deal with that one. I upload. Upload. Yes. Put it on. It'll be fine. Let's go. Um, where were we? Um, we comparison. About, yeah, you yeah, know, your comparison. Comparison. So we're talking about taking time out to, you know, sit under a tree. Um, well, when I look at the culture of people in the city leaving the city for weekends or, or going for a bushwalk, I, I guess that's the nature of people um, taking that time to regenerate their soul, um, which is a beautiful thing. Um, I just think we need to do more of it. Um, I know my, my own experiences and, and that is that, you know, I've had a, a very busy business career. I've got an active mind. I come down here. I spend three days here, four days. I smash it. And then I've got to go home to recharge and get my to-do list done. Um, I think that that's actually a really, really good balance. I'm, I'm lucky to be able to do that, but I, I don't know what the answer is for the wider population. I mean, um, you know, I find um, that people are, you know, whether they're conscious of it or not, probably yearning for um, more escape and more peace. Um, and that's evident by, you know, the where it's, it's Easter at the moment as we record this and you look at the freeway getting out of town. It's like, holy moly, yeah. that's, you know, that's a sign to me that there's conjecture. There's a bit of congestion for peace. Mm. Isn't that interesting? Well, I guess it creates opportunity for people in the country, and it's good for community. It's good for agri tourism. It's good for those things, you know. Sure. Um, and then I guess what that does is real estate prices are impacted. Um, I want to go back, Clive, to WA. So mm, you let me, so no, 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 don't be sorry at all because this, this is what this is how we roll. We just we just go where it needs we roll to go until the storage is full. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Oh, what a – anyway, I, I can do with that later. Yeah. Um, Clivey, Jeez, 15, left home at 15. Yes, I got a job at the local TV station. I taught myself to write, edit and produce. Can you imagine being 15 and being surrounded by TV cameras and edit suites, et cetera? Like I, I was just like a why kid that? in a well, why, why, was, why? I don't know. Um, I think, as I was saying with some friends of mine, um, I had dinner with last night. Well, their children actually—they're all in their teens, left school, university, and we're talking about careers. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, you can't choose a career; a career chooses you. Um, and there's too much pressure on young people to choose a career. You know, I did everything from lawn mowing, milk delivery, carpet laying, furniture shop, supermarket, hosing down a dairy, tractor driver, all that kind of stuff. And then I landed in media. 
Um, I don't know, but creativity soothed my soul and I was thankfully good at it. Um, and, <laughs> you know, I, I, had, I was just laughing because I was thinking about um, my first boss said that I wasn't creative. I, I actually secretly read the HR report and it said I wasn't creative. I was very mechanical. Um, but obviously, you know, what happened was I went on to have a, an award-winning creative career. Um, and I think that was part the entrepreneurialism that came from my grandfather. Um, and then partly, you know, my anxiety um, and the, the, uh, the hole that I was left through my father passing and, and all the, the abuse, um, creativity filled the hole and soothed my anxiety. So and it drove me in business to be, you know, wickedly determined and and you know in some ways successful, in other ways you know terribly um, challenged and you know often defeated. So um, I worked in television for fifteen years. You know I worked at uh, Channel Seven and Channel Nine and then helped launch the Comedy Channel uh, here at Foxtel in Sydney, which was enormously successful. We won about 30 international creative awards in three years, which was record setting. We broke, you know, financial um, targets, you know, through creativity. We had the largest production slate of Australian television at that time. Um, then I went to New York, London, Los Angeles and, and had jobs over there. Came up with my concept for my business, which was called the Conscience Organization. Um, kind of started it and then came back here and I pulled my finger out about three years later. Um, so what, what, what year are we talking about? That's 2003. <clears throat> and I really got going at the end of 2003 um, and then our, our rise to success and, and great reputation was very quick. We, we um, you know, arrived back here, um, you know, we were producing a lot of music um, content for Coca-Cola, producing, you know, parts of the ARIA Awards. Um, we produced the Make Poverty History concert, which then led to me meeting Hugh Evans, who then, you know, founded um, the Global Poverty Project, which is now known as Global Citizen, um, which is a now, you know, as I mentioned earlier, they've raised $43 billion in pledges. So that used to be housed in these offices here. So all of that, um, you know, success happened very, very quickly. And then in 2008 um, or 2007, I could smell the GFC. My wife was pregnant. I thought I had a big mortgage. Comparatively, it was nothing. Um, so I thought, well, I better sell my business or sell part of it and get some cash. So I got a miraculous phone call from my then best mate saying, you should do what we do. I went and met the chairman of this big marketing services holding company called WPP, still very big. And he said to me, how much do you make? I told him. He said, how much do you want? I told him. He said, no problems. He said to me, what's your business plan? I said, well, it's quite simple. Invoice more than I spend. Don't work with assholes and stick it to tradition. Um, what I didn't know was I was going into bed with what was tradition, I guess. And so that partnership afforded me, you know, a great lifestyle, you know, some of which I wasted and some of which I invested well. Uh, went through all sorts of trials and tribulations with um, you know, marriage breakdown. Um, I went from, ex you know, very, very healthy lifestyle to very unhealthy, you know, drinking too much, eating too much, not exercising, you know, dealing with, you know, uh, you know, quite a lot of significant mental health challenges. And so all the time my business is going up while I'm going down or I'm going up while the business is going down. It was just this, you know, um, 
very unique timeline, if you like. Um, and whichever way, whatever challenge came to me, um, whether it was, you know, a bad tax advice or clients firing us or vice versa, um, as I said, the GFC, there was so many different challenges we faced and I made it through them all. And I'm surprised I made them through through them all. <clears throat> how did you manage that? Like, well, how did you manage keeping business going? You you said business is going up, you're going down. Like, that's how how does how does one get through the day or the week or the month or kind of you know? There is on reflection, was there anything that was um, was saving you, or, or well, just getting you, just getting you to, from day to day? Um, Even stuff that you well, think was but wasn't really. Well, you know? okay. So I think um, you know I'm I'm a religious man, so I I believe obviously there was a there's an element of of you know God. I believe you know my own determination that I cannot fail my family. Um, you know, good friends, great therapists, um, uh, determination, grit, and I also think because of the the catastrophic nature of my childhood. Um, that I was blessed with some magic dust, some you know, some angels looking after me. Um, so so I think um, a combination of all those things. I you know, and again we go back to the the, com- the conversation around balance and peace. You know, like I think that all those things are factors. Um, you know, and great friends, great you know, wisdom, the wisdom of your community around you. Um, you know, which is my, my, the business I have now, Compadres, is all about how do I use all the, the you know, I always say my, how, how can my scars be your wisdom versus, um, yeah, I, I would say that it's a variety of things that helped me through that period. <clears throat> was there anything that was not helping you? Like making it worse? Well, yeah, like I, I think, um, I, yes, a hundred percent, and I can, I can see it now. Like I remember, I'd go away on the weekenders to the country, you know, to I, some great friends um, with farms, and we'd go away for the weekend, and I'd feel amazing, inspired, and just beautiful. Like we all do it. Like we, you know, we'll pay money to go off, fly to a resort where they hand you a nice tea in the, you know, the reception area, and suddenly you think life's amazing. Well, that I think should be free and should be everywhere not the tea but that that experience so i was going away you know to these farms feeling incredible and then i would feel as i saw the city glow on the way back as i saw the city glow kind of come up i'd feel the pressure of life come down on my shoulders so i think those those intermittent moments in the country were were beneficial and you know mucking around with horses and things like that. So I think that that's kind of something that got me going and I started looking for a farm in, I think it was about 2016, 2017. So um, I realised that, you know, it was upon us and obviously we came down to your place quite a bit and I think that that was all very soothing for the, for the soul. So I think broad, broadly, if you're a human living in the city, get out as much as you can and get in touch with nature, you know, whatever that means to you. It could be Centennial Park, it could be a national park, Whatever it is, you owe it to yourself to be in creation, to be a way, to have clarity in your life is that piece. If you're a survivor like I am, it's imperative that you spend the majority of your life 
in creation. You, you must, there is, there is, if you're a survivor of any, you know, trauma, loss, grief, any of those things, if you feel elements of stress, you, you must get out. You must, it's beyond therapy. Um, you must get out and spend a lot of time in nature because nature heals you. The trees heal you, animals heal you, you know, fresh water, ocean, whatever it is, is that's the key. Not the silver bullet, but it is the key. It, it's the door opener to your healing and, and um, you know, a pathway to peace, which is a good quality of life. How did, do you think your experiences, you know, 8 to 15, the traumatic ones, inform your behaviour, your, 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 I guess, your pathway, your journey in adult life? And that's probably a whole other podcast. <laughs> it's a whole other podcast. Um, it, ca- catastrophic. And, and only what, you know, yeah. you want to. No, I can. Out. So I think catastrophically, I, I, has have been diagnosed with complex PTSD. Um, I have had another other, a bunch of mental health challenges, but still successfully ran businesses, created a loving family, and you know, great friendships. So, so I think that that was um, yeah, it was catastrophic. I'm very, very, very lucky to be alive. What the amazing thing about you, Clive, is that you are alive, and what you and the journey you've been on, as as that I've known you, you know, um, those years, that you were able to run a very successful business, multiple businesses, retain multiple friendships, um, be an inspiration, and be um, be a mentor for so many people mm. under you know. Under what you know, and many people didn't know about any you know, history. It's just Clivey. He's on a roll. He's doing his stuff. <laughs> he has his ups and downs like anyone. And you're able to um, be successful in the world. And yes, you've had your challenges, but you know, the, the, this is one of the you know the amazing things about you and why we're having this conversation is you is you've come you've come out of that. Yeah, and you and you and you have um, as what would you say before the, the your your scars be your scars? Yeah, may your- my, my, may my scars be your wisdom because because I I led a life from let's just say ten years might be five might be ten might might be twenty. I led a life of that was not high quality. It might have looked high quality, yeah, okay. but it, but it wasn't. And so I just want I want I don't just I very much want people, particularly in business. So again, that's what my business, my new business um, compadres is about, is making sure that entrepreneurs and founders and CEOs or anyone is l- realising their potential, i.e. that their, their physical life matches their aspirations and their goals because you, you should be living a rewarding quality of life, not a, not a life of survival um, but a life of thriving and happiness and self-expression and love and kindness and hope and peace. So I think that, you know, during that period of time, I, I wasn't living a great quality of life. Like I, you know, I had enough, you know, resources to, you know, to, to get through, but I think I was getting through like um, versus now I would say um, I'm the happiest I've ever been. I'm very fit. Mm. 
um, and I'm able to to offer people and be a contribution to other people's lives, um, which is really what you know. I think the ultimate goal of all of us is, is as we become you know grandparents, you want to be sit back with a whole bag of wisdom and offer it you know down the generations, and that's you know that's called contribution. Um, but yeah, I, I think that I didn't live a great quality of life, and I don't think a lot of CEOs now. Um, if I, I hate to single out CEOs, but you know CEOs and and professionals largely are you know it's balls to the wall. You know I've got to you know I've got to make it. You know like I've just got to do it, and all the other slogans: live with no regrets, no fear, all this kind of stuff mm. that you see on you know sporting goods brands. Well, you, one of yours thing. What was one of yours? Fuck yes. Was that right? No, oh, was yeah, well, in this building we used to have a a, a, was it? a you know twenty meter neon sign that said "Hell yes, hell yes." That's right. Because I was a yes to everything in in life, which is actual fact. You should be a no to most things. Um, <laughs> but in any case, um, yeah, like uh, I'm not sure what to say. Other well, than was there a point? Was there a point on in your journey where there was a, a moment, a second, a day, um, a, a conversation? Where, you know, it became evident that things had to change. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like so, so you know, my my story of um, it, it, in all of us, um, we're affected by genetics, our parents' behaviour, and our surroundings and our environment when we when we're growing up. And there's you know a lot of other inputs. This is the Clive version of life, right? So um, there's probably other things that are deeply true, but I think that. Um, you know, if, for me, you know, I've stored a lot of trauma deep down and, and, and the only way I dealt with that was, was a lot of exercise, a lot of work, and sometimes a lot of self-medication, which might have been, you know, alcohol. Um, uh, so I think that the, the moment that that all kind of um, – the, the kind of the, the breakdown came when my son turned eight <laughs> and I could see that was the age that my father died. It was the age that my, um, call it neglect and sexual abuse and physical abuse, all that started as well. And I was like, holy crap. And that set off the trauma inside me that's it's, it's stored on a cellular level. Um, and that same cellular level is soothed by, you know, we talk about trees and nature is soothed in nature. So uh, that was the moment that triggered a very strong message. You know, I'd get to lunchtime and I'd be shaking. At the same time, I'm running, you know, multi-million dollar businesses, not one, but two. And then I started some crazy farmer's market, which you, you kind of visited, um, just to add complexity to my life. Um, but in any case... That was a moment that the signs were there, like they say that the the lion roars before it bites, and the lion roared and then it bit. So, so I I, I had a, I would say a, a mental breakdown. Um, what that how that manifested was just, you know, like physical shaking. Um, and then one day, I woke up in a situation that I didn't feel good about, and I said, okay, I'm changing my life. And on that day, it was July 24, 2018, um, I committed to just health and well-being. And rather than being a part-time dad, 
and a part-time CEO, I committed to being a full-time dad. Sorry, this is so emotional, but it, <laughs> it is emotional. So, so I think that, you know, I no longer was, you know, the hero, I guess, of, of running all these businesses. And as you said, I presented quite well. Um, you know, I just didn't want to be all things to all people and nothing to no one. So I just, I kind of checked out. Um, and when I say checked out, it wasn't like a, I had a, you know, mental breakdown and, you know, walked out the door. It was just a slow release. Like I decided, you know what, I don't want this many clients. I don't want this many staff. I want, you know, more peace in my life. I want to be with my kids more. And that's what I did. And then ultimately, you know, towards the end of my, end of my 40s, I just left town um, and moved to the country and closed my businesses down. As you know, homeschooled my children for two years. Um, we rode horses, slept in, just had a beautiful time and uh, found peace and, and defragged from years of overachieving and, and being, you know, that guy that, you know, people probably, rightfully or wrongly, thought was amazing because I don't think he was amazing at all. What would you say? Uh, I suspect that um, you know we've got a pretty broad range of listeners, and yep. um, I'm sure that there'd be those listening who, um, if not in this situation, not not. I mean, you know, everyone has their own journey and, and scenarios and so on, but that can maybe be in, you know be inspired somewhat to to change or identify their need to change, whether it's farming, they're, in a, they're a farmer and that's not suiting them or they're in the city or whatever or they're, you know, as, uh, the, the, the sort of your, your, your idea around CEOs that, you know, it's a lot of pressure and it's a lot of, um, uh, a lot of, um, you know, that often I imagine values don't necessarily align with behaviours or, or vice versa. Is there any sort of advice you can give oh, yes. to those? I have a whole twelve month program that can help you through that. Mm. <laughs> so, so what I what I discovered was um, you need to have everyone has principles, and usually they're good principles, but we usually have them ask about. So, the first thing I do is get people to write down their principles and make sure that every decision you make is matched to that principle. So, and when you say principles, principles is that kind of uh, maybe some examples? Are they are they, okay. are they so va- health, values? Yeah, but yeah. it could be values, but I, I call them principles yeah. because they're really principles they're, of life. They're your true north. So for me, um, you know, number one is my spiritual health, my physical and mental health, and my family's mental health. So that's one, two, three. Um, my family's health. So, and and what are my measures of that? Is is am I thriving? How do I present? Um, am I at peace um, or am I distressed? Um, with my family, it's, you know, are they thriving? Um, are we in communication? Um, is there joy? Is there happiness? There's those kind of things. So I think that, you know, like um, I think that it's quite easy to adjust your life when you've got your principles really clear. So every decision you make, every door you walk through, you go, okay, Am I aligned to my principles? Um, another thing that um, is important, I think, for, for particularly if you're a high achiever type, is um, am I am I present? Which is something that you know everyone from the Dalai Lama talks about to Tim Ferriss. Um, but yeah, am I am I present to the moment? And and one that we've talked about is just around, um, which is is normal for 
business and busyness and business people, which is just rushing and, and having too much packed and stacked and, what was, the, what was the, the podcast or the book? Uh, which, the book is The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry because, <clears throat> you know, when the best way to articulate that is, is that we all need more time and we all need more money. But if I gave you more time and more money, what would you do with it? You would probably do something that would increase your need for more time and more money. So um, what James Mark Cromer talks about is that, you know, by slowing down and winning the day, you can actually get more time. But at the moment, what happens usually is for all of us in busy lives is the day wins us, the day takes over us. And so I think they're just, you know, some really simple um, tips that I like to work on with everyone and certainly continue working on it, you know, in my own life. More about compadres. Tell me, uh, let's go there, like in terms of, you know, how, when, um, a bit of the what there now, but like yeah. how, how did that, I mean, I guess how did it come about? Well, if I well, how it came about was is that you know when I moved to the country, I thought I'd never come back to the city. Um, in fact, I enjoyed not coming back down here. But then I met my partner when I was down here. You know, she's a very very busy human being, so I'd be off catching up with old business colleagues, and they'd be like, "Going, you've got so much to offer." Every time I sit down with you, I feel inspired. You need to be doing stuff. You need to be here and whatever. And so I thought, okay, well, you know, the audience has spoken. So I um. I realized that I did have a lot to offer, um, do have a lot to offer. So I started Compadres, which is all about helping people, particularly, you know, founders and CEOs, or I'll help anyone actually, um, realize their potential. So let's look at what your life is like right now. Like, do your, do you, do you have principles? Are they mapped out right? Um, are they aligned to your goals? Because a lot of, um, high achievers, crazy bastards a lot of people that start businesses by definition you need to be a bit crazy but you know are you gonna you know kill yourself or your partner or your family or harm people on your trajectory to achieving that outcome and so it's really guiding people to make sure that they're living a quality of life to achieve that outcome and i'll i'll help them get there quicker and hopefully not make any of the mistakes that i made or that other people of May that you know that I know about, so it's a you know it's a beautiful business to be you know to help other people grow is you know not unlike farming. It's a it's very rewarding. What about the practical side of it? I mean, talking about phones, social media, that sort of stuff. Um, I know you're not on it as much as you used to be. No, oh, I, I'm still you know uh, well not that I know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> springtime, yeah. So yeah. so I think. Um, like, if it doesn't inspire you or bring you, you joy, take it out of your life. And that could be in your wardrobe, your garage, or your, on your Instagram feed. Like, if, if, if anything is a distraction, unsubscribe, mm. you know, whatever it is, whether it's emails, Netflix, um, you know, someone who doesn't bring you joy on Instagram, um, a friendship, a business relationship. Whatever it is, I think that you need to have discipline to just follow the joy um, and also follow something that educates you, follow something that inspires you. Cut out stuff that makes you feel muggy or gluggy or, or burdened by something, and that includes debt. Like, you know, get rid of the debts of life or the repayments, back off on e-commerce or all the trappings that are 
prevalent and accepted in today's society are actually the things that are undoing us at the same time and creating that stress. So some of the practical things that I talk about, you know, when I'm giving, you know, whether it's a keynote speech or, you know, this podcast or talking to some one-on-one is, is declutter, unsubscribe. I'm a massive fan of clean inboxes and just cutting out things that don't bring me joy, that aren't going to, that don't align with uh, living a rewarding quality of life. Um, talking about quality of life, quality of life. One, just to jump back to your your world, out of compadres there for a minute. Um, horse riding. Yes. What's that? What does that mean to you? I mean, I kind of know because I see and I hear, but so, like that was that was quite the departure from Ducatis. Ducatis and Porsches. <laughs> so, so I think um, you know, like I'm 52. Um, like I grew up around my, my grandfather had horses and obviously he had thousands of cattle as well. So, but the smell of a horse kind of always brought me back to this nurturing moment and memories from my childhood. Um, horses, as we know, and equine therapy have a massive role to play in people's lives. Um, not unlike dogs, I think. Um, they're great for your central nervous system. And so I just find when I, you know, put my nose into the neck of my horse and take a beat, deep breath, I'm taken back to my childhood and my, I get this euphoric feeling in, in my, my body and my soul and I just find it, you know, deeply transformative and peaceful. And I think that that's helped me heal a lot. I also find that, you know, when you're out with your kids or your family and the friends and we do a lot of riding, it's like the secret source for conversation in that um, everyone opens up and you have these conversations, particularly with my children, that are just beautiful and vulnerable and kind and peaceful. And I think that that, that kindness and peace comes from the horse and the, the freedom that the horse probably brings to the, to the, you know, the, the suite of inputs that we have as humans. Yeah, it's beautiful. I want to go back to COVID. Because yes. it's just a, it's just a thing. It's a, you know it's it's a it's Is a it? point. Well, no, well, no, not not not. Um, um, uh, what's the word practically? Or yeah. Uh, but in terms of it's a it's a point on everyone's timeline now that we can't yes. really sort of escape. How did you? I mean, you being up at the farm, I guess that was kind of cool. You're, 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 well, it was you're, part of the drive. Like yeah. we were um, living in the you know the the eastern suburbs of Sydney, and when COVID hit. Um, my daughter was home from school. She was getting bullied at the private school. So she just said, I don't want to go back to school. So we switched to homeschooling. Homeschooling then led to us get, get, being in the country more. COVID enabled us to be in the country more because there was less, you know, pressure you mm. know, to be here. Stuff. We might have broken, broken a few lockdown laws. Um, <laughs> but um, – Dan, Dan, Dan Andrews. Oh, no, well, that's Victoria. Fauci's not listening to this, <laughs> no. so you won't get in trouble. Look, I, I, so I think that um, I got a lot of positives from that mm. experience um, and I, I feel sad for the people that, that haven't had positive experiences and are dealing with the repercussions of that, but it's it's actually – it's actually soothing to see that, you know, that I always say that time tells truth and the truth we're seeing right now. Um, I'm not a mad anti-vaxxer. Um, I'm certainly not a mad pro-vaxxer. What I am, a mad, what I am you know, excited about is that time is telling truth and from that truth people can make adjustments to what they listen to, 
where they listen and who they listen to. That's the thing that I've learned most from COVID is just the the complexities of of media and reliable media sources. Because again, I say to you know anyone who will listen is is that if you want to get depressed, watch the news. Um, and, and be very careful um, where you're getting your information from. There is a lot of ind- independent journalism platforms um, on YouTube. So Kim Iverson, um, Breaking Points. Um, there's, there's, there's some great resources out there that can just kind of give you a little bit in the middle of, you know, what Fox News might tell you and what CNN. You, you have to have, you know, different... Um, you know, balancing things. It's like when you're, you're doing a great soup. It's not all onions. Like <laughs> you need some carrots and, you know, some lamb if you're into that kind of stuff. You, you have to have – it's very complicated. When your mum and dad were growing up, or my mum and dad, you know, they'd watch ABC News or, or, and maybe, you know, whoever else it was. Religiously, it was, yeah. it was It was a trusted source of – I'm not saying ABC is not trusted, by the way, but you, you could rely on the news media, whereas – and it used to be separate, uh, treated as a separate P and L within a media organisation. So you know the the newsroom was was one part of the P and L versus you know pro- normal programming advertising was a separate part of the P and L. And when they merged, when you had to drive for shareholder value, etc., the newsroom was suddenly influenced by the sales department, and it and it is very much so now. Um, and and that's probably where we saw the degradation. And the reliability of news. So, so when was that? You reckon? At what point did that happen in the industry? Uh, That's interesting. Well, I worked in newsrooms mm. for a very long time. I don't know, but let's just say the nineties and two yeah. thousands. Yep. Yep. Um, and so, unfortunately, um, you know, it's it's not driven by the things that we thought it was, and perhaps we grew up with. And that's complex for parents because how do we, you know, if I'm raising, you know, three kids and a whatever it might be, um, how do I get my information and, and decipher that? Like I'm not a scientist or a, or a political, geopolitical kind of expert. Um, and what's unfolding, you know, like I'm a fan of Ray Dalio of the Changing World Order. He predicted it through 500, you know, his research on the last 500 years. We are at the, the end of a world order, i.e. America, and the changing of the guard. Um, and so this is a fascinating time to be alive. What, who who's taking over? <laughs> well, you're seeing the you know the, the 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 end of currencies as as we we knew them. Um, we're obviously seeing the devaluation of of dollars and and our assets through you know the secret tax called inflation and you know money printers and all that kind of stuff. Um, I so I I think there is a divide in um the way currencies will be traded and it already is so the chinese um yuan is being traded for oil with russia and now that's you know going to saudi arabia and so you'll see that's the end of the us dollars um dominance um there is other currency uh what do you call them um unity through brics um so I think that that probably points to China becoming the leading dominant, you know, um, community, if you like, or or superpower of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that's the end of the world either, because that happened with the UK um, at the start of the last century as well. And you know, the POM seemed relatively happy. So 
you know, it's just a fascinating time for us to be alive. And what are you – are you doing anything in preparation for any of that? Is there anything – Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I, I believe um, – so obviously the fiat currency, so the cash dollars that you and I are used to, I think that that's obviously been eaten away by bad management of governments, of, of our currencies um, and our economies. Um, I, I believe that um, – you know, governments are ineffective and inefficient. They do good things, but um, in terms of money management, that's evident because of the the value of our dollars has gone down. You know, ninety three percent in the last you know couple of decades. So, um, I would hedge your bets. I would put some money in something secure. This is not financial advice, but you know, I've certainly invested some money into crypto. I've got some money in, you know, some lithium mines. I've got some money in agriculture. I've got some money in other real estate and I've got some cash. Just spread your bets because... Gold? Um, <laughs> don't have gold, but I do recommend gold. Um, I think that what will happen with the, the biggest change that will happen or one change to be very, very aware of is central bank dis- digital currencies will mean that the Australian government or the US government or whoever, they can track all of your spending and your money may have an expiry date. And that's, that's frightening. That, that level of control, I think, um, is good in a way because I think people will become very suspicious. There will be an uprising against it and we'll probably end up with four or five different economies. So you, you have the cash economy, you have the fiat economy or currency, I should say, um, you'll have the crypto economy. You'll have the climate economy. All, there'll be. We'll probably go back to barter, like where I, when I was growing up, my grandfather would trade, you know, cattle for watermelons or whatever it might have been. So we will all find a way to to move away from the system because I think as governments try for more control on us, it's natural that humans don't like control. We like to be free. Mm. Um. What about? I'm just fascinated with all with where that's all heading because it's you know I imagine. Do you think that there's a lot of um, conventional uh, economists, advisors, accountants, wealth creators who are um, just not looking at that? Not not like we 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 uh, our personalities tend to look for alternatives. Yeah, you know? but, um, but yeah, yeah, of course. Like I think. You know, if, if if I'm the head of Bank X and I'm, I'm the head of, you know, wealth for whatever the bank is, that's my job. I've got a big-ass mortgage. I'm probably going to toe the line on things. And that's – so I, I think the systems, if you like, that are in place that have been around, like banking is based on trust and faith. That's what it is. And when you don't have faith, there's a bank run. And that's what happened a few weeks ago in, in LA with um, SVP. So I think that – you're always going to have um, people that believe certain things and recommend certain things because that's what's paying their mortgage. But not unlike the news and the information um, sources that I spoke to you about, it you have to be educated in a variety of different things in life, including you know what medication you put into your veins, what food you eat, um, and where you hold your money and where you think the future of money is. Um, and again, like I do use YouTube, if you like, as a source of information because the change is happening very, very quickly and I would be hedging my bets across a bunch of different things. 
Um, yes, I guess time will tell, won't it? Well, as I said, time tells mm. truth, you know, and, and everything that the conspiracy theorists in terms of currency were talking about a year ago or two years ago is no longer a conspiracy theory. You see, Andrew was showing me something yesterday about um, Kiyosaki and Robert Kiyosaki. Yes. He's, he's on oh, the yes. case. Oh, yes. Like he's a big, and, he's, he's, and he's not like some crazy bloke who's just come out no, of nowhere. No, 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 no. So he, for everyone, he's the author of Rich Man, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So, yeah, he's, he's, he believes that the, the banking system um, is changing things, um, that currencies are, you know, pretty much stuffed. Um, Federal reserves and federal, you know, reserve banks, etc., have you know, buggered up our economies in a large way. And you should be investing in gold and crypto. Um, the thing I love about him actually is just that he just says if if you have a mortgage or a debt over a, an asset that isn't delivering you a return, um, then you're a slave. I.e., you know, when when you you know own a house, it's not del- it's giving you a you know. F- Food, clothes, and shelter, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It's providing one of those, but you are in debt on something that's not necessarily giving you immediate return. It will long term, but um, there's wisdom in what he says. So he's a he's a very well studied person, um, and he certainly is recommending gold, and he certainly is recommending crypto. And I would do the same for sure. Something's going on now with currencies that um, is life changing, but humanity and humans we have ways of working through these things and mm. and we will and what's happening i believe is just more division there's more division happening in the world there's no unity or not as much unity as there 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 was um you know probably a bit random but um you know in in america it used to be um Community was led by believers in Christianity and non-believers or, or other, you know, um, sections of religion, whereas now the country isn't divide, divided into believers and non-believers. It's divided into two different parties like Democrats or Republicans. So um, the things that are driving us now are very different than 50 years ago and I think what we need to do as individuals is look for the unity in one another rather than the the divide. And I think digital lives is that they kind of invite us to compare, to comment, to judge, um, rather than to unite, discuss, find wisdom, and find a way forward. I think that's um, that's the the worst thing about being a parent now. I think is is that. You know, I am now that person who my parents were. You know, when I was a boy, it was like this. Well, you know, that's the <laughs> bit that I worry about for our kids, Charlie, is, is, and you and I are lucky in that, you know, we've given them, you know, this, the gift of the land, um, which hopefully will continue to soothe their soul, to calm their soul. But um, the endeavor of, and the pathway for children is, is we don't know right now, because it's certainly not go to university and get a job anymore. I mean, I guess that's the thing, isn't it? Like there was <clears throat> from our grandparents to parents, there was changes in terms of social and, and sort of the things that drove them or, or didn't. There were some changes, but not, not a hell of a lot <clears throat> from you know, our parents to us, a little bit more going on. But between yep. us and our children, like every, 
every week almost there's something else to yeah. consider or another yeah. potential influence or, or or thing to swerve or aim for, isn't it? Oh, yes. Um, and no one knows the answer. Um, but you, what, what COVID taught me was just the benefit of cooking at home and sitting around the dinner table, which which we were always out at restaurants. But so we just cooked at home and, you know, now in the country, you know, there's no Uber Eats where we live. It's all, you know, <laughs> you cook everything you eat. Um, so it brought about, you know, this just uh, with all of this going on, my advice is just love the people who are your family and stay close to your friends and, and just hold each other tight because the bigger questions that we're talking about, about currencies, you know, AI, all that kind of stuff, we can't answer them. Time will tell truth. We just have to love one another and, you know, tell one another we love one another because I think that that's the only thing that we have. The rest is a game. What are your thoughts on on AI? Um, I don't know enough about it other than um, I obviously mucked around with it a lot. It's going to change the world. Um, it is changing the world. It'll change the world um, very quickly. Um, and again, humans, we have a, a miraculous way of adapting. I just don't know um, what that adaptation is going to be like. I think um, when you have people who, you know, like Elon Musk, who, you know, he's, he's wonderfully crazy um, and one of, the, you know, the closest thing we have to AI that, breathes um (laughs) when he's saying you know calm the farm let's cool our jets on this that's an important voice Mm. um but unfortunately you know humans are delivered you know we're driven by progress evolution um and shareholder value unfortunately and 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 i think that um you know that, that that's um it's not, not a question I can answer other than that I um, just go back to what I was saying before, which is uh, love the ones you live well, with. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, um, for those who are looking to um, move out of the city or change their, their situation, moving to the country, um, you know, young couples, families, whatever. Is there anything, any sort of tips you can give them in terms yep. of preparation? Hell yes. In doing that? Okay, so um, try before you buy. Like go, you know, rent, rent, rent somewhere yeah. um, if, if you are able to do that. Um, try before you buy and once you're there, you'll never look back. Um, <laughs> there are two things. I don't think it's necessarily that scary. Um, it, just like I said earlier is go through your life, unsubscribe, declutter, you know, get rid of debts and stop buying crap because that crap will mean nothing once you're in the country. Um, just empty yourself of responsibilities that really, you know, everything you buy costs. It costs you money mm. and it costs you time and it costs you space. So get those things out of your life. Start to defrag um, so that when you move to the country, you have less stuff to move, but also there's less stuff, you know, that's a burden on your mind. Um, so, yeah, I, I think just try before you buy um, and follow the joy. Follow, just follow your heart. Like it's the, the best part is actually the exploration and try and find somewhere. Like where, where we've landed, 
um, was completely unplanned. And just go with the evolution of and of the changes. You know, we used to say in my business is you pitch polka dots and you sell pinstripes. So just you know, write down your dream, right? Go out mm. and try and find it, and be be prepared to be swayed a bit because you know. I've got this saying, it's not mine, but it's one that I use all the time, is how do you make God laugh? Tell him your plans. So, <laughs> but, you know, do it because the, the, the rewards are, um, you know, you can't, you, you can't beat living a rewarding quality of life and that's definitely what you get. Any, like, specific questions you would suggest that a, you know, uh, I guess because it's generally the parents who are making these decisions in a family sort of context or the, or the adults there mm-hmm. that they might ask each other yep. or ask of themselves, like, you know, that like, you know, reasonably specific questions about that help them, I guess, create a filter to then guide them to a spot. You know, I mean, there's obviously how many hectares do I want or, you know, distance from Sydney or those sort of things, but yep. are there anything else that kind of um, you asked yourself or you didn't and wish you had to kind of help you distill? Because you've been doing it for a few years now. Not, not that there's a time frame that you need to have done it by, but mm. you've, you've had some time to um, try a few different you know, rental situations and yeah. you've had, you know, is there anything, any other things that you think are critical questions that one might ask of each other in that who are looking to move out? Well, um, be prepared to be surprised and be open to, you know, unexpected, you know, wonderful surprises. Um, sorry to be so broad, but I, I think um, the further you go, the more peace you will find. Definitely. Um, if you want to, you know, straddle city life and um, country life, then obviously you're limited to, you know, two to two and a half hours. I think that the under two hour, um, you know, opportunities are, are pretty cooked. They're still great value, but if you want to live two hours from the city, um, you're probably looking at sub 150 acres, um, which is still beautiful. Like we, we're um, on a, a place at the moment um, whilst we do our other bits and pieces. Um, there's 100 acres and that's kind of big, but for me that feels small because of my upbringing and yours too. Um but for some people, that's enough. Um, if you want a working farm, you need several hundred acres, um, which then attracts all sorts of different complications with loans, i.e. you need 35% deposit versus 20% deposit and a bunch of other investments. So, um, I mean, my, my way of looking at it is that, like, I don't want to hear anyone's stereo and I don't really want to see anyone's house lights. <laughs> okay. um, so there, well, there, well, there's, there's a criteria right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, but that's just me, whereas my, my partner is, is kind of, she's not quite there. Um, and I, I understand that. Because, <laughs> she likes to know there are other people around. Yeah, she does. She does. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I think just follow... I mean, this sounds cliche, but, you know, your, your heart, you know, write down your criteria, um, get on the road and, and enjoy the exploration, um, enjoy the journey, and the right place will present it to yourself, present it to yourself. My, my story, which, you know, is for another time, is incredibly miraculous and sprinkled with angel dust. Um, never in a million years would I have thought I would have, be doing what I'm doing right now. Um, so, you know, it's all good. It's a great journey for people. So we talked about um, what it means for you to 
as a, as a representative of city folk coming out of the country, you yep. know the criteria and your your sort of what that means to be there. What do you what do you think? What has been your experience for others in the country when city people turn up, and you know what what are you as an example potentially currently offering your community as someone who's not a farmer? There's no like generational stuff that's keeping you saying and doing and being a particular way. You're like this fresh guy who's just turned up. Um, which is probably something that um, yeah. city people don't maybe who are making this transition aren't thinking about what they can give to the community. But also, I'm just thinking about listeners and rural communities going, "Oh, more city people coming out." Like, there's some real benefits that that brings, isn't it, to a community? Well, yeah. Like, I'm very encouraging of all the local business people um, and supportive, and I realise that I'm on their turf. Like, they've been there's generational people there. You know, like it's. Not one generation. It's sorry. Yeah, it's not one generation. It's usually two or three. You know, there there's roads named after their family in these communities. So, yeah, respect, respect. Um, I'm never going to get it right. We're never going to get it right. But just respect. I think. Um, and and on the other mm. side of things, I think. Um, you know, country people can be. Um, you know, a bit prickly about that as well, and unjustified. Um. But also understand that we're all on this earth together to, you know, and we need to guide each other and just try to do that in a very kind and polite way. But, um, yeah, I think if if you're coming from the city, I've been it. Like, I've definitely been the city um, jerk-off and probably still am. <laughs> um, I've got a bit more empathy because I, am you know, was born in the country. But, um, yeah. I, do I, you start with that? When you meet someone, I actually am. I'm from the country. Well, it's the same when you when you when you go to France. The first thing you say when you go to France, because you speak English, is yeah. that I'm not from England. I'm yeah, from Australia. Yeah, Australian. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're received much. You want to you want to make sure they know that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so I, I do think, um, but those communities need injections of you know finances and funds because what's happened over the years when I've gone back to visit where I came from is you can see that the 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 um the abundance of money has been sucked out. Usually, I, I always equate it to you know shareholder value or private equity or what it might be, whatever it might have been. Is just that you can see that it's not flourishing like it used to. So I think we need to find that balance, and it's very hard to that by people moving back out to the country, contributing to you know. You know, whether it's council rates or buying stuff at the supermarket, that's a positive. Mm. That is a positive. And again, going back to what I was, um, said many times today is just that it's balance. We need balance in the city. We need balance in the country. We need balance of the way in which, you know, funds are distributed, um, you know, particularly through political parties because the city gets more fundings from the country and, and that's not fair. Um, yeah, balance is super important. Also, skill sets too. I mean, there's you know, yeah. this bit like someone like you with your creative background and your different perspective on life, um, turning up and you know, in some instances, and certainly for others moving to the city, you know to the country, they bring with them their skill set of like yeah. of, of, of you know, whether it's marketing or creativity yeah. or whatever. Like, because farmers yeah. are going, I don't know how to do social media. Well, What's this well, shit? You well, know? well, I think that um, what happened with um, most people in my com- or a lot of people in the community where I grew up was just the farmers didn't evolve with the time. So they started off as you know hardworking farmers, but they didn't adapt to technology, and they you know some of them went out of business or or their children didn't want to continue with the business. 
Um, I know with my the the guy who our farrier who does our horses, I've increased his revenue by uh, yearly revenue by ten percent. He thanks me all the time because I've I've said to him these are the things you should be charging for, and these are this is the way you should be charging. And he thanks me, you know, every time we have a bit of a board meeting when he's doing the horses, and I get a bit of a you know safety check. So you know, he is literally one of my compadre clients. Um, but yeah, like be if you're from the city, like how can you be a contribution? Like go back to that thing that we we had, you know, a couple of generations ago where we were all a con, con, uh, contribution to our neighbour. Um, like our neighbour here in the city, his name's Peter. He's amazing. Like he's over there helping move some furniture while I'm sitting here, which is ironic. But, you know, like love thy neighbour. Um, without being biblical, but yeah, like be a contribution to people. Clivey, um, we're going to probably wrap it up. We are going to do a little Q and A after. Cool. I'm going to go drain the spuds and get a <laughs> drink of water, um, and make sure I've got enough space on my machine before I leave. But we'll do a little Q and A, and that Q and A will be available to our Patreon community only. So if you want to hear some Patreon. of the, so if for those who haven't um, don't know those, I'm not going to tell you the questions that Clive's going to ask. Well, I might actually. Yeah, There's questions. Are, well, yeah, questions around what what's what makes you irate, what makes you excited, what projects you've got. Yep, you know. Are you a? I won't ask that one because I'll, I'll, that'll give it away. Um, the old billboard one. For those who've been wondering where the question is, um, where that's been, uh, when I asked my guests that, what would they put on a billboard if they had the opportunity on a highway oh. somewhere? Um, you'll just have to join Patreon to find out. And you get that as a QA um, between seasons and you get a whole lot of other stuff. You get a, a, a monthly webinar we have with our guests. Clive will be on one of those webinars at some point. Um, and we have, um, the Patreon app where we post videos and all sorts of extra stuff. So for $10 a month, you get all that. I reckon it's pretty cheap, it's cheap. cheap as it's too, Two, it's one amazingly overpriced coffee or two shit coffees yes. in, in your month. That's pretty much all it is. Yes. So we're going to do that, Clivey. Can I just say what a lovely, wonderful conversation we've had and a human that you are and that you've been so transparent, as I knew you would and have always been, and um, it's been a real honour to sit here and have the chat. We're going to do Likewise. some more Q&Aing and um, – this will I'm not sure when this is going to go out in the world, but we will be having we'll have show notes, we'll have any links to any um uh your compadre's yep. um website and um books that you mentioned, anything else yes, that I you will. might want I'll, to put I'll, on there. Yeah, I'll give you as much, you know, information as I can to share with your good people out there. Thanks, Clarby. That's Thanks, been Charlie. awesome. And uh we'll do the Q and A and we'll have a little little break in a second. Spud emptying. <laughs> <laughs> train train them spuds. <laughs> And next week on The Regenerative Journey, my wonderful guest is Scott Gooding. He is uh, a chef, a cook, a father, an amazing fella, partner of uh, Matilda Brown, um, daughter of um, Brian and and, um, Rachel Brown, and just doing some amazing things in the food space, regenerative agriculture. Got his fingers in a few pies, but what a lovely bloke. We had such (laughs) such a funny yarn up there at Whale Beach at his house overlooking the Pacific Ocean. That's next week. We went everywhere. We went into some unexpected areas too, I have to say. Um, but it was all good fun. Next week, Scott Gooding on The Regenerative Journey. This podcast is produced by Rhys Jones at Jaeger Media. If you enjoyed this episode, 
please feel free to subscribe, share, rate and review. For more episode information, please head over to www.charliearnett.com.au.